Hey guys, this is James. And Greg. We're the co-hosts of the Sports Dance Podcast, a weekly podcast recapping all the news, sports, daily fantasy, and anything else you can want to know in the sports world. If you like blazing hot sports takes, you like a little bit of humor, maybe a little bit of murder. No, just kidding. All sports. But follow us, uh, Greg. On Twitter at SportsStands underscore. You can follow James at SportsStandsJ. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, we got it all. At Boom. the SportsStands. And, you know, just check us out. You're going to love what we bring to the table every single week. Hot takes, nothing less. The Sports Dance. Hey guys, welcome to the Sports Dance Podcast with Greg and James. I'm the second part, and with me, as always, James Dolan just kicked him out of Madison Square Garden. It's Greg Cowan, everybody. What's happening, baby? Yo, I'm still heated. I am still so freaking heated, James. I mean, James Dolan's an idiot. Uh, security guards tased me, uh, so I'm a little juiced up. I'm a little amped up right now. Yeah, the Knicks fans are wearing free Cowan's t-shirts. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty heated, Greg. Yeah, yeah. not not going to lie here. I mean, they were chanting my name at the Rangers game last night, which was pretty awesome. It's really exciting. Uh, it's sad to see what uh, what a great former New York Knicks uh, amateur radio personality has become. Yeah, uh, in yourself, but you know, I think that you know, I think that you just need some need to get some help. Yeah, uh, that's what I've been told, and I feel mentally fine. I think it was more so overreaction from then. They tried contacting my good buddy, uh, you know, MJ. Uh, couldn't get him on the phone. Don't know what that was about. I guess he was ignoring me. Are, are Mary's initials MJ now? I didn't know. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, middle <laughs> initial, you know, just that's that's how we roll. <laughs> gotcha. Um, all right, man. Well, very cool. Good, good to be back here. We took a, a little bit of a of a break. I mean, we had a short transmission uh, earlier in the week, but back in action, ready to go. And uh, we have a lot to talk about, Greg. We have not fully broken down the Super Bowl. Uh, ah, I can't uh, believe it. Yes, yeah, so you can hear by the two different sounds. Yeah, the two different sounds that we just made clearly show how we felt about the game. This is really exciting, and I think that we're going to have a lot a lot to say. I think that this is going to be just probably like an hour-long segment of me um, gloating, and I think that all of our listeners are going to be really appreciative of that. Don't worry. I'll try to cut it off around like a half hour. We also are going to talk a little bit about the NBA because that's really it's all that's going on right now. Uh, it's basically the NBA and the Super Bowl just happened. We're probably going to uh, eventually touch, about, touch on college hoops. Now it's getting closer to, to the dance. Yeah, and uh, no offense, hockey, unless it's the Bruins or the Devils, we're probably not going to talk about you. So uh, RIP Jean-Claude Jean Julien, whatever the hell his name was. Yeah, Claude Julien. Really great timing for them to fire him. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's on a high. Um, Quickly, get him out before people realize what's going on. Yeah, for real. Uh, okay, cool. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Greg, let's just let's just walk this thing back. You know, from the very, very beginning, um, oh. win the win the coin toss and defer your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right from the get-go, I was like, ha, Belichick already doesn't get his way. This game is all going to be Falcons. And I was right. Yeah. Until about 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then right, until the went very off, completely off the rails. And uh, what's with... Former Seattle coaches, Seattle coaches, just not understanding in the Super Bowl, run the damn ball against the Patriots, and guess what? You probably win. <laughs> in all seriousness, unbelievable game. Probably one of the ones that's going to go down in history. Which um, nobody as, saw coming. <laughs> yeah, right, as one of the greatest games ever played. Oh. Um, I mean, just from start to finish, it was it was a roller coaster of emotions. So, you know, early on, it looks like the the uh, at least in the first quarter, you know, nobody scored in the first, but even in the first quarter, it it kind of looked like the Patriots were gonna at least, you know, be the better team because uh, they had. I mean, obviously, like Coleman had that that big run in the very beginning of the game, and that was a little scary. But then the defense held, and then the Patriots had a couple of decent drives that just kind of petered out around like the forty yard line. So, you know, it it looked to like. You know, everything was kind of going to go the Patriots' way. And then the blunt fumble really, really turned the tides in that first half. Yeah, I mean, that happened. Uh, Brady then started – it seemed like Brady started forcing passes and just 
guys were off with their routes and everybody was confused. The defense still kind of in that second corner kind of instead of bend, they completely broke. Uh, so, you know, it started really taking a nasty turn. And I actually, I I actually don't totally love that narrative because realistically, like the way that the Patriots played the Falcons, like, yes. So they, they, they gave up a, a touchdown after the blunt fumble. And then they, and then the Falcons had one legitimate drive down the field in the, uh, in the first half. Outside of that, the Patriots' defense played pretty well. It does. It's just that I one mean, drive, though, looks so nice, and you just thought after that with the wide open, that was the drive that went wide open to the tight end, right, in the back of the end zone? Yeah. I yeah. think that second one, yeah. It was just, it was just yeah. pretty, so people started getting on it, being like, all right. The, the first one was a decent drive, but like it really was just a catalyst because Blunt fumbled during the Patriots' really good drive. I'm not going to um, lie. I was shocked to see Blunt come back into the game. Yeah, I know. I mean, he wasn't used as much, but he really that uh, Belichick does have a nasty habit of well, not nasty habit, but he has a habit of just kind of like getting rid of you or I was waiting for Garoppolo sitting you down after that pick six. I was like, yeah. here comes Jimmy. Well, imagine? that's the part that really scared me, right? So, I mean, fourteen nothing is not bad, but then all of a sudden Brady throws just probably the worst pass of his playoff career. I would say, like, yeah, if I mean, you had to really break it down. He doesn't usually throw picks that hurt him. Like, it's usually, all right, if anything, maybe around midfield, they get a few extra yards, but nobody ever really returns them. That one, it was just straight at the guy almost. It looked like he wasn't even trying to throw to another receiver. And after that point, I it was bad, James. That was, was tough. Bad. That was tough. And then to come back down in the second half, um, excuse me, in the, in the last part, the last drive of the first half, and only score a field goal. That that was a that was a bummer. Like going into the halftime, twenty-one-three was tough. Like if it was twenty-one-seven. I would have been a little bit more confident. I was still like, you know, I it, my you know my dad and my uh, my dad and I were texting back and forth constantly, being like, hey, you know, I mean, it's not impossible. You know, it's improbable, but not impossible. Um. But you know that twenty-one-seven would have been pretty great. Twenty-one-three was tough. It was uh, going into the halftime. So that first half was basically everything that could have gone wrong for the Patriots went wrong. I'm not going to lie, James. After that, after halftime, I put out the tweet uh, on our Instagram and everything of like sad Brady. But in the back of my mind, I kept telling uh, my wife that's a big Pats fan. Um, yeah, I have a gut feeling that somehow Brady's going to pull this out because it just seems like it always happens. It always happens. Even when they were up 28-3. There was that gnawing in the back of my head that was just like, no, Brady's going to do what they keep talking about. He's going to do the impossible. They keep talking about nobody's ever come back, and the bastard's going to do it, and he did. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, and I think that that's, that's such a testament to what he has become in sports where every single person, whether you're a Falcons fan, a Patriots fan, uh, just a casual observer, saw a 21-3 to and then eventually a 28-3 to lead and we're like but the other side has tom brady yeah <laughs> you know There's not many quarterbacks like in the league that give that presence off that in that situation you'd be like yeah they can do it brady there's not many other people in sports that yeah. give that off except for maybe michael jordan yeah brady i mean if you had to pick anybody else in the nfl that maybe could come close to that right now only aaron Rodgers, just because he just does unbelievable things with running and throwing so but even he i don't think could have come back from that mentally i think it would have just been too hard right so okay before we get into the second half then greg uh what do you think of the halftime show what do you think of uh gaga uh i actually quite enjoyed it i'm not gonna lie she put on a hell of a show that whole thing at the beginning was standing on top of the roof i know it was pre-recorded but she still had to jump off at some point before that so still pretty uh ballsy of her but overall great show yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I, I had almost the same reaction that I did when um, when Bruno Mars played a couple years ago. I was kind of like, oh, Bruno Mars, you know, like that Super Bowl halftime show, does it really fit? Is this going to be a thing? Um, and then he brought the house down. Um, yeah. and, I, and I still liked his performance a little bit better than Gaga's. But, I think um, she but anything was better than nice. that. Yeah. She, uh, she, anything was better she than that Coldplay it. performance last year. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. she definitely brought it. I mean... But I wasn't surprised that she had no guest. I mean, we both thought she might, but 
she didn't. And uh, but I also right. like the ending of it all with her uh, catching the football, jumping off the stage. I thought that was a nice touch at the end. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. No, I mean, I thought that she's she's obviously incredibly talented, yeah. and uh, you know, I, you kind of do forget, I, I guess, because she's she has been around for a little while. How many hits she actually has? She's also only thirty. Yeah, that's, that's true. The nuts thing. And before she was a singer, she was like writing pop song hit songs for other artists, and it's just like, all right, she's only thirty. What the hell is she gonna do next? Now. One of my points about her performance was that, like, like she, a lot of those hits came from like five years ago. So it's not exactly like she's at the top of her her game right now. I mean, we she played a million reasons, which was one of the ones off of her off of her new record. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, like most of the stuff that people came to see, whether they say whether it's Poker Face or Bad Romance or Born This Way, I mean, those ones are old older songs at this point. Yeah, but don't forget, she took off for like two and a half years to do like the Tony Bennett tour with him and did so- like an album with him and yeah, recorded it for a while. So she was away from the game for a while. This is like her first album like in a while. Technically, that's just her. She's the first person in a, in a long time, Super Bowl-wise too, that has not had like a guest appearance. Like yeah. most people have like a guest star coming out and she did not. Yeah, usually there's somebody or something done that's like incorporated and it's been a while since we haven't had one. I don't know who the last one might even been i mean we had right. bruno mars had some uh, red hot chili peppers we said um i forget who was even before that but most of them usually have it's usually a pairing of two different groups that you know come together of some sort right exactly um yeah so that was uh that was pretty that was pretty interesting stuff i thought that it was a good performance uh good job from gaga so uh you know congratulations there by the way what do you think of the commercials this year uh, if I'm gonna be totally honest with you, I was at a party and uh, we were we were tape delayed at the very beginning of the game because we all got out of work a little bit uh, a little bit later, so I I didn't see a lot of them. It's all right, they were sucky. Yeah, I didn't hear amazing things. So. I was not impressed by most of them. Uh, people loved the Melissa McCarthy one, which I was like, yeah, it's kind of funny, but I much more enjoyed her Sean Spicer performance on SNL the night before. So I was like, you that was know. pretty good. Yeah, I was like. I was like, if we're comparing her past two performances that I've seen, uh, commercials not living up to the hype. Yeah, kudos to her for making that happen. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't see a lot of them, so I'm going to be totally honest with you. You didn't miss much, don't worry. They were all more serious this year. It was kind of odd. Not as much humor. Right. Like, I didn't um, see like a good Doritos one. Yeah. Uh, okay, second half uh, starts. And let me just pull up here. Uh, I want to make sure that I've got it because I want to see like what the breakdown was for the drives here. Because the Falcons got the ball at the first half, but did they? They didn't like kind of immediately go right down, right? Like there was a there was a three and out, or like no, there was yeah, a, they went three and out first. They went three and out, and then the Patriots came out, and then they stalled a drive. And yeah, then the pass stalling. Yeah, and then the. Uh, and then the Falcons just kind of promptly walked right down the field. Yeah. I want to say the Falcons were with like five something minutes left in the third and everybody's kind of like, all right, game's done. Wash my hands of this one and uh, let's move on. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, I think that that was the part where most people, you know, would have lost a lot of. Because honestly, like you went once you, you know, that it's it's we're into the third. Uh, we're into the third quarter. And it is twenty-eight to three. Like that is tough. That's really that. That's a big hole. Yeah. And you know, obviously, no other team has ever done that before, right? No, you heard earlier in the game they were talking about like the fourteen-point deficits, the largest ever. No teams ever come back from that, and it just kept going higher and higher. And you're like, all right, this is impossible. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that was I think the. Um, I mean, I think that, that was the point when most Patriots fans were, you know, really pretty nervous about it. Um, so, yeah, the Patriots go, go three and out, punt. Um, then the uh, Falcons come down the field and, you know, take eight plays. Um, but the thing about the Falcons uh, right there was it was an eight play, but it was only a four-minute drive. So I think that that was, if you're a Patriots fan at least, pretty encouraging. Like, they didn't kind of focus mostly on the run. Uh, they were passing a lot still, so they kind of kept some time on the clock. And then the Patriots come down, and then they drive for a touchdown. 
and if yeah, you're, you're picture, not nervous yet you're not well i mean i'm, I'm kind of like at least so in the back of my head like there's like a there's like one little like there's like you know angel and devil on each shoulder right so like <laughs> you know the the devil is like at least you're not getting blown out like at least you, you score yeah if you at least you didn't get like totally romped and then the angel's like no 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 tom brady we're gonna do this etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> but then they miss the extra point <laughs> yeah. like Everything went wrong for the Patriots in 40, like, three minutes of that game. The final 17 minutes of that game, everything had to go perfect for the Patriots, and it did. Right. Yeah, so we're at 28 to 9. Uh, they go for the is... onside kick, and they don't get it. Right. Um, and so you, you're, you're Goskowski, and you literally you go for an onside kick, uh, you miss an extra point, and then you fuck up an onside kick, and it's just like he—he's he, had a bad season, and that just kind of tap, you know, capped it all off. You know, is he coming back next year? You think, uh, or is he going to get released? Is Bill just going to be like, I don't no, know, I mean, he's under contract, and I doubt—I know that Bill does not like to look at new kickers, um, so I think that he'd prefer to kind of keep Goskowski, but. I mean, it, it it was a rough season. There's no doubt about it. The one thing that he was he was pretty good at was kickoffs. So Bill is uh, really, really, you know, puts an emphasis on gaining an advantage every single area of the game that he can. So one of the ones that he got an advantage this year was kickoffs. Uh, whenever he kicked off, it was you know Goskowski's job was to you know boot it straight up so it wouldn't go into the end zone. So because then his you know then his team would get down and cover, and if they you know, if if the field, if the drive started, you know, from, you know, well, you know, less than the 25 yard line, then the Patriots have accomplished something. And yep. they were like number one or like they were in the top five in the league from opposing, you know, opposing team drive starting position. Like they constantly were nailing people on field goal position. So at, at, in that sense, Goskowski did have a good year. Every other sense where you'd normally want your kicker to have a good year, you know, he kind of faltered. Yeah. No, I mean, Granted, yeah, great at kickoffs, but they moved on from Vinatieri, who's one of the greatest kickers of all time because of money. Still going. Yeah, still going. Uh, loved him in that Barstool press conference with uh, Pat McAfee. Just great, oh, great, yeah, that was great acting by him of who's going to hold my balls. Uh, but, I mean, we've seen them move on from kickers before and find the next really good kicker. Uh, after a bad season like this, I mean, maybe you give him one more year, see if he can correct his issues. Uh, get mentally better at you know focusing on his kicks and not overthinking when he misses one. But I don't I don't think Bill's gonna have any problem pulling the trigger next year if Goskowski's back and he misses a few. Yeah, exactly. Now from this point on, Greg, from this twenty-eight to nine, I can say with utmost certainty that the defense really was just as responsible for the Patriots winning this game as Brady was. Oh, definitely. Hightower stepped it up like big time. Because if you're looking at this next play, right, or this next drive, right, the Patriots get a touchdown, and the Falcons recover this onside kick, uh, which is bad. But then all of a sudden, you know, Matt, uh, you know, Matt Ryan passes, uh, you know, completes a pass, and then you have a you have a bad holding call, you stuff um, a couple run plays, and then Trey Flowers and Kyle Van Noy come by Trey flowers, by the way, had a fantastic game uh, and then sack Ryan and they have to punt. So the Patriots come right back down the field, 12 yards, 70, uh, 12 plays, 72 yards and kick a field goal. Uh, tough break on that one. Having to kick a field goal there. You really want the touchdown, but at the end of the day, you'll take anything you can get. Right. Yep. And then the next play after going three and out on their previous drive, uh, on third down this drive, uh, Ryan fumbles with the Dante Hightower fumble. Uh, yeah, sack. huge turn there. Momentum That's just swung completely. I think that if you're a Falcons fan, that's the moment that you have to be really nervous. Oh, yeah, that's the moment I was nervous, and I'm not even a Falcons fan. Yeah, like when, you, when the Patriots have just completed, like, you know, even if they weren't, even if they weren't necessarily like that close yet, they completed a drive where they just kind of walked down the field and got a touchdown and then walked down the field and got a field goal. And then you're giving them uh, the ball in great field goal range. And of course they, they score a touchdown, right? I mean, all they had to do was drive 25 yards. Yeah. I mean, at that point Brady was clicking and you were like, shit, stop giving him opportunities. 
Right, exactly. Now, this is the biggest drive of the entire game, and there's, I don't think there's any question about it, right? It's the, entire, the biggest drive of the entire game. The Atlanta Falcons are up by eight points. And by the way, balls on the Patriots there for, that, for, for needing two touchdowns and two two-point conversions and getting them. Like Especially that first no, play. Yeah, that no yeah, look, uh, snap right to the running back play. Like that's Great a ballsy play. move. It's a ballsy move right there. Great play. Yeah, and to, to rely on James White too, like that's a pretty, that's a pretty big, uh, big leap, and they did that. Um, so that's pretty good. So then, so we're we're on cloud nine, right? It's like twenty eight to twenty, and the Patriots fans are like we can do this. And the first play from scrimmage. Ryan uh, throws to Devontae Freeman, who runs yeah. for 39 yards. Yeah, at that point, I was like, all right, Falcons, getting them back together. You know what you got to do. Yeah. And, and then they had that, two touch, how that ballerina caught on the sideline by Julio Jones. You're like, all right, it's finally, you know, rebounding. They're going right. to lock this up, shut it down, game over. That Julio Jones play is a Super Bowl winning catch. Yep. Like there's no doubt about it. Like there's a that's a Super Bowl winning catch. That's the Mario Manningham catch that the Giants had against the Patriots in 09. There's no way that Eric Rowe can play that any better than he did. Um, and there's no other place that Matt Ryan can put the ball. And Julio Jones still had to make an unbelievable play. Like there's there's no way around that. That is a that that's a catch that should have won the Falcons a Super Bowl and it did not. Because at that point you run the ball, you wind the clock down to two seconds every time, hike it, run, dive play, straight forward, kick the field goal, most likely make the field goal because their kicker is pretty reliable. Uh, you go up by ten, uh, or no, it would be eleven at that point because it was twenty-eight twenty, and you have it locked up basically because you left no, almost no time on the clock, and they did not do that. They were aggressive. Ryan talked about it at the end of the game, saying we kept with our aggressive offense. Dumb move, Kyle Shanahan. You clearly deserve to be the 49ers coach. Yeah. I mean, that was that was tough. To, to not run the ball in that situation, to have the Patriots down, you're in field goal range. You're in field goal range. Uh, you're at the New England 23-yard line with a, with a pro bowl kicker. To not run the ball, take time off the clock, and then just kick the field goal is unbelievable. And I think that at that point, like with that that poor a play call, uh, I think that you really do deserve to lose because honestly, like, you know, the Patriots did. The Patriots need to play perfectly to win that game, like at the end at least. They need to play absolutely perfectly. But they they also needed a couple breaks, and they got them in the sense that you know all they needed to do was literally hand the ball to Coleman or Freeman or whoever three times. Yep. And then kick a ball. And they would have won the Super Bowl. It was it was ridiculous. Also, I don't know if you noticed this on that drive where Julio made the catch and all of that, and they're driving. They were snapping the ball to run their next play with 15, 16 seconds on the play clock. Like, yeah, it, it was a pretty dumb. It it was a pretty. Uh, it was not situational football. And there's something to be said about like going down with the ship a little bit, like playing the same way that you played. You know, dance with the girl that brought you, sort of thing. Like, uh, you know playing the same way that you played to get you to the Super Bowl, at the same time, you do need to be aware of what's happening. Yeah. Like, I think that you need to be able to adjust. And Bill Belichick does adjust on the fly. He, he makes adjustments. He kind of makes things happen. Um, and I think that that's one of the reasons why he stayed relevant. He doesn't over-adjust. He doesn't overreact. I mean, obviously, he kind of still had a game plan ready to go, and he continued to, uh, to execute it. Because he takes no days off, James. No days off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that was it. That was tough. So when so after that, after the sack, after the uh, again, I think it was Trey Flowers. Yeah, again, it was Trey Flowers, the sack, and then the holding call. You knew the Patriots were getting the ball back. I knew the Patriots were winning at that point. I'm not gonna even lie. Yeah. I was like, this is gonna go to overtime potentially. Uh, Patriots are gonna get the ball, drive down the field, and I kept saying it. And my wife was like, "Shut up! No, they're not. It's like now, she's like, you can't say that. I'm like, no, I can." This oh is God. also not exactly like the most the easiest drive in the entire world. They're on their nine yard line, um, with three matter. minute three and a half minutes left. I mean, they made it seem easy, obviously, but they're on their nine yard line with three and a half minutes left. It's not exactly like a walk in the park. Um, but Brady throws together an unbelievable drive um, that I think is going to be kind of shown in the uh, in the record books here. I mean, just constantly finding everyone he wants to, and with the play. Um, 
you know, the, the play that will go down in Boston sports history is one of the best of all time. Yeah, the catch by Edelman. Yeah. I don't I don't that, I still don't physically understand that catch. I was with a bunch of people and I and uh, I was almost dismissive when they were like, you know, oh he caught it, he caught it. I was like, no, 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 he didn't. Because in real time he absolutely did not catch that. It looked like even in slow-mo, I don't know how he caught it. It was unbelievable, man. To have the presence of mind and the concentration to clamp on that ball like i want to call that one the clamp because literally the ball is like careening towards the earth and he and his he just comes in and just whoosh and it clamps onto it right before the ball hits and it was just unlike anything i've ever seen in my life no you know, in sports and the whole time i'm thinking every time i see that replay i see the falcons guys going for the ball i'm like your defender your teammate already hit it literally just take edelman out and you have no worry right all they had to do was just literally take him out. I don't care if the ball hit the ground. Don't worry about the interception. Just make sure that plat- pass is complete. Because if that's not complete, who knows what happens? Ugly, ugly pass, too. I mean, it was just not a good pass on Brady's picked. part. I yeah, mean, it should have been picked. Um, how it wasn't, I still don't know. Yeah, exactly. And that would have been a pretty, pretty catastrophic end to this game. And once you caught that, like you knew what the kind of football gods, like you knew definitively the football gods were on our side, you know? Yeah, it went to overtime. Uh, right when I saw the Patriots got the coin toss, uh, I was just like, "All right, congrats, Pat's won the Super Bowl." There's no way they're not, they're just driving down the field scoring a touchdown. It's well, wait, 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 because you also because the Patriots, first of all, again, uh, you know the the Falcons had a chance to come down and score a field goal. They yeah, they man, got the ball seconds. with a minute left. Yeah, I knew that wasn't gonna do much there. I guess that's true. Um, and then the and then the eight play seventy five yard drive capped off by James White um, in the end zone. Um, almost Brady almost threw another bad pick to uh to Bennett. Oh, Beasley. Yeah, Beasley almost picked it off. Yeah, that was uh that was a tough play too. But um and then eventually James White kind of punched it in and the Patriots completed yeah. a twenty five point comeback, the largest in Super Bowl history. Unbelievable. I mean granted Brady still didn't play that great like his fourth quarter like late numbers looked fantastic. But some of his pat, he just like played ugly for the most part. I thought. I mean, I, I don't want to say he played ugly. He had two. He had two not great passes when he was trying to lead one of the greatest comebacks of all time, and he was solely responsible for like you know the last three drives. Um, I'll give you that he played ugly in the beginning of the game, but a- outside of that, I will. I refuse to take the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, of course. What do you think of the overtime rules in the Super Bowl? Uh, I think those should be changed. I think that's the only game. Where, what do you do, though? You don't do it like college. I think it doesn't matter what happens. If the team goes down and scores a touchdown or field goal, the other team has to get a chance to reciprocate because basically it's BS that the Super Bowl ended with one of the teams not even getting a chance in overtime to touch the ball. Like, do you, So you just... Uh... Like you, you just play out the quarter, or do you mean no? You not even play out the quarter. The you just give each team the drive. So it's kind of like college. So you know, field goal, touchdown doesn't matter. You don't start on the twenty-five. You just do the kickoff, everything, and say the Patriots stalled and punt it. If the Falcons go down and score anything, they win. If the Patriots go down, and score a touchdown, Falcons get a chance. They have to score a touchdown to keep the game going. And then after that, I think after each team got a chance, if they both scored touchdowns, then it's whatever happens happens but at least each team got a chance to you know do something i mean the falcons had a chance they had, a, they had to stop them on defense no yeah but you know what i mean it's different when you're in possession of the ball compared to trying to stop the ball and your defense has had to go against 90 something plays the whole game so i mean that again that's not that's not the fault of the I game though that. i mean that's what that's what i'm trying to say is that the defense like do you that's that's fully acknowledging that defense no longer matters if you're if you're tell, if you're saying that, you, that each team needs to drive on offense. Because honestly, in this NFL that we're in now, defense doesn't matter as much. I mean, it does matter, but offense is what really is everything's focused on now. But think about every other major sport. Every other major sport, sport you have overtimes that allow both teams to basically get their shot. Baseball, you have a top bottom inning. Uh, Hockey, you have just overtime shootouts, all of that. You have basketball, they just play an extra few minutes. So, I mean, it's the only sport that you literally, your overtime, it could be one team gets a chance and done to go down the field. 
So I think it got it has to be changed for the big game. I think yeah, out of I mean, all games, yeah. no other game, conference championships, fine, whatever. Super Bowl, you want to give the fans as much as possible because that's what everything's relied on. That's the one game a year people really focus on. Hundreds of millions of people viewing. So it changed the rules in the Super Bowl because it felt really terrible watching Matt Ryan just watch Brady go down the field and knowing he wouldn't get a chance to reciprocate at all. I don't feel bad for Matt Ryan. You shouldn't either. You're a Pats fan. I feel bad for the owner. That's who I felt bad for, for the Falcons owner who went down to the field. You feel bad for Arthur Blank? I do. I don't feel bad for Arthur Blank either. Well, you're a Patriots fan. Of course you don't. He owns Home Depot. Why would you feel bad for that guy? Uh, I just felt bad because he got to. He thought he was going to finally win a championship. I don't. I don't feel bad. Also, is uh, there anybody that monitors Robert Kraft's alcohol intake during games? Like, does somebody ever go up to him and be like, "Hey, Rob, maybe stop having no scotch neat. Maybe you know scotch on the rocks. Maybe why, we're down." Why are you saying that? He wasn't. He wasn't drunk. What are you talking about? He always sounds like he's slurred. No, he's an, he's an old gentleman. He's yeah, not. No, but he's I've not heard drunk. him talk you, at you, different points. No, no, no. You bite your tongue. You absolutely. You're the only person in the entire world that thinks that Robert Kraft was drunk then. He's he's talking to in front of millions and millions of people uh, about about an emotional game. You would be slurred too, friend. I gotta uh, get my shots in right now. Football season's over. Did you want to go over the prop bets? Yeah, we can, I'll run down the prop bets real quick, and then uh, yeah, roll through them. All right, so we did our prop bets. Prop me up uh, before the Super Bowl. Um, we did terrible, James. Basically, all, is all I'm going to say. I won the coin toss. I said tails. You said heads. Uh, you won the Luke Bryan national anthem, though. Uh, you said he was gonna, what I, I said. You said he was going to be under two minutes fifteen seconds. I said he was going to yeah. be over. They changed the time from two fifteen to two oh nine on some sites. I don't know why. So you still would have won, probably. He went under at two oh four. First score of the game. We both said field goal. We were wrong. You had the Falcons scoring first, I believe. I had the Pats scoring first for some odd reason. I feel like that should have been reversed. So you got that one. We both were right on the second half turnovers. Uh, we both thought Lady Gaga would have a guest. She did not. That's, unre- that's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Um, will Goodell hand over the Lombardi trophy? I think in our minds, we were wondering if he was going to hand it over to like Brady. But he still handed it over. Both of us said he would. Uh, and he then kind of scurried off the sk- stage as, uh, I think it was Joe Thomas or something on the Browns said he scurried off like a rat. He's quick. He, he got yeah. in and out, you know? I thought that was funny. And then the next day, the super awkward press conference with the MVP trophy. Yeah. Um, color Gatorade. Uh, it didn't happen. No, te- no oh. coach got Gatorade dumped. That's too bad. Yeah, uh, I guess because of overtime and how hectic it all was and how the ending was, nobody had time yeah, to focus they didn't on know whether or not it was. They didn't know whether or not it was an actual touchdown until they reviewed it. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, you had lemon, lime. I had red, so neither of us won that because it didn't happen at all. That's a push. Yeah, that kind of sucks if you, like, actually put money down on that. Like, I don't know what happened in that situation. I think you might just lose your money. No, you just get your money back. It's a push. I don't know. I don't know if they did it that way. They may have just said none. They may have cheat people out of it. Uh, MVP. We know it was Brady. You want Deion Lewis as an upset. I want Julio Jones thinking the Falcons might win. Uh, who it should have been? James White. Yeah, he probably he probably deserved it at least a little bit, but you can't. He set like three records. Well, so did Brady. Yeah, but Brady, most pass yards, whatever. He had most catches. And completions. Most points scored by himself. He scored 21 of the team's points. Uh or something like that, I believe they said. So, I mean, James White, of course, now Brady comes out and says, I feel like, is this the second time in the past few years that Brady has come out saying, oh, it should have been so-and-so that won the MVP, not me, and like the other person then gets like five trucks from five different shows he's on? I mean, Brady, get you get like a truck for winning the MVP. I know that Brady gave it to Malcolm Butler last time. Yeah, so he said uh, James White, deserved, Conan O'Brien gave James White one the other night when he went on the show. Because he said Brady said he deserved a truck, so they gave him a truck. Uh, he took the MVP trip to Disney for the Disney parade. So he's getting treated like the MVP, I mean, I which he probably should have. Well, when you've done it a million times, I should, I'm sure it's probably, uh, you know, probably a little boring. You know, I'm going to Disney World and getting trucks, and you know, Brady's been there, done that. You know, hey, he's got kids. His kids probably love Disney World. 
<laughs> but yeah, those were uh, prop bets. Uh, you know, it was a good Super Bowl. I wasn't game. keeping track. I wasn't keeping track, but it sounds like I won. Uh, I think it was you either won or we basically broke even. It was one of those. Gotcha. Uh, you know, what do you think of the Super Bowl in in, uh, in general, Greg? Um, like you said, it was a roller coaster. I. I actually might have been more upset after that Super Bowl than I was when the Patriots beat the Eagles. And no, that's not true. That's never going to change. I can't believe this stupid Brady. Uh, no, but I was actually furious that the Patriots came back when I was so mad, mainly for the fact because I live in Massachusetts and I know for a fact I will never not hear the end of this and how Brady is amazing. And I have to finally say it, James, and I know you've been waiting for it. Tom, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. He certainly is, yes. And uh, even if you're going to kind of rush through it, I, I understand that that was difficult for you. And uh, I'm actually surprised and, you didn't ask me to say it a little louder. <laughs> no, you know, I just, I, there's no need to, you know, what, yeah, people should know, people should know when they're conquered, and it seems that you do. Yeah, it, um, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts a lot. Except, uh, I do have to make fun of Brady's no days off chant. That was uh, Belichick. Belichick's, yeah, Belichick's no days off chant. One, because everybody there took the day off. Uh, he was not working that day, except people had said he probably did check out film that night. But it was just such a lame like attempt at the chant. Like He was by himself for like the first like four or five times through. And people were like, oh, he yeah. actually wants us to chant this with him. Okay. And then like his go pats at the end, his voice just sounded so weird. Like I'm used to him sounding all grumbled and tough and sounding like this. He was like, no days off. I was like, that's that's kind of weird hearing Belichick's voice hit a different pitch than I'm used to. Yeah, take some shots while you can. Yeah. Everyone wants to take a shot at the king. Hey, I did love him on uh, Fallon. I uh, thought he did a great job with Edelman on there, grabbing his hand and kumbayaing. He was pretty funny, yeah. So a little humor. I liked uh, it. I appreciated that. So what do we think about next year? I mean, do we think that this is uh, – you think that the Patriots have another another one in them? Do you think uh, – where, where do you think the Falcons go? Uh, I think the Falcons stay around the same area. I think they're still going. I think between them and the Panthers, they have the sustainability to actually stay atop of the uh, NFC South. Their offense, most of those weapons are coming back. Their defense is young; it's only going to improve. Um, I think they make it to the playoffs. I don't know if they make it back to the Super Bowl because the NFC is kind of like usually unpredictable. It's usually a different team that kind of rises every year. AFC is going to be the same old story. It's going to be the Patriots probably making it to at least the division round with a bye, most likely. And then it's a matter of, is anybody going to be able to capitalize on maybe if Brady has an off game in one of those three games? Patriots versus the Kansas City Chiefs starring the new quarterback, Tony Romo. It's going to be very exciting. <laughs> hey, if Romo I goes think that this the was Chiefs, a- that'd be weird. Well, Alex Smith, where would he go? Uh, who cares? <laughs> Good point. Browns. I think that the I think that the the Falcons. I think the Falcons kind of peaked this year. To be totally honest with you, I just don't. I don't see. I just don't see very much from them in the future. You know, kind of moving forward. Um, I mean, I mean, it's Matt Ryan had a great year, and Julio Jones had a great year, and they caught fire in the playoffs, and that's what happens. I mean, that's kind of what happens with happened to the Giants. You know, for those two years that they won, yeah, you had a decent year. It was okay, and then you caught fire in the playoffs. And I think that's what happens. So it's a matter of, you know, the Patriots are the only team, it seems like, that is kind of impervious to the whole, like, just kind of make it into the make it into the playoffs and then hope that you catch fire kind of formula. Hence why, we don't really do that. Hence why people can't stay on the Patriots. Yeah. So I think that the, uh, I think that, that was kind of a flash in the pan, in my opinion, for the uh, Falcons. All right. Uh, and I think the Patriots are going to be back next year. Who do you think is coming out of the NFC then? I don't know. Again, I mean, I just think that it's going to be. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys came back pretty strong. Um, you know that I'm a, I'm a Dak guy. Yeah. So, uh, I don't want to say Cowboys Patriots again, but I mean, hey, you never know. Um, maybe if the Packers decide to, you know, get some weapons around Aaron Rodgers, they might have a chance. Yeah, I have a terrible feeling it could be like the Cowboys next year in it, but I'm thinking maybe like the Raiders. Raiders, if they can continue what they did this year and keep Derek Carr healthy. They might be able to, uh, you know, beat the Patriots out in the AFC side. I guess we'll get a good idea when they go to Mexico City this year uh, how those two teams match up. Raiders would be good, you know. I mean, I think that they're a, uh, I think they're a good team. I wouldn't be surprised if someone random showed up. Like maybe if you want to continue this NFC South thing, like maybe the Bucks all of a sudden like take a leap with Jameis. 
who knows? I mean, we, I've been predicting the Bucks will take a leap for the last like five years. So, yeah. like, but hey, nobody whatever. has Sid from Toy Story as their quarterback except the Raiders. So, and that's true. <laughs> um, okay, cool. That's a wrap on the 2016-2017 NFL season. Greg, good year. It was a good year. Good year in sports in general. This is kind of like the last big sport event for the year of 2016. We had a lot of good ones. Big comebacks, a lot of a lot of things happening. It's uh, it's really exciting. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, we'll get into those um, comebacks a little bit later. It's called a teaser, James. Exactly. Let's kind of transition then into the NBA and storylines that I wanted to talk about. They kind of intersect a little bit. Um, drama that is surrounding the New York Knicks, Cleveland Cavaliers. That was before we get into the Knicks. Um, can I go in chronological order from the stuff that's been going on? <laughs> so, basically, LeBron has been kind of bitching lately and uh, and upset that the Cavaliers do not have a playmaker, uh, another playmaker. Um, he thinks that they should make a move. He's been pretty candid and open about that. And... Um, and a big candidate that continues to come up over and over again year after year is Carmelo Anthony. So uh, there were reports and rumors and all that kind of stuff that LeBron is pushing the Cavaliers to trade Kevin Love and whatever else they need to do to make this work uh, for Carmelo Anthony. And it's trash, the, Knicks were, the Knicks were trying to push this deal too. Um, and then LeBron got into a bunch of fights, like public fights with Charles Barkley and the media and et cetera, et cetera, about these reports, all that kind of stuff. But what do you think about the trade in general? Like Kevin Love for Carmelo Anthony plus whatever, you know, kickers that they need. Uh, I think like LeBron said, it's complete trash. Uh, he's the idea and concept of him saying that was, I'm saying if the trade actually happened, it would be because one, Kevin Love is younger. Uh, at this point, I think he's more talented. He's somehow a better defender because both of them are terrible on defense. But Caleb's going to give you a little more effort. Uh, you know, contract-wise, he has a few more years under his belt left than uh, Melo does. And Melo at this point is kind of like a ball hog. So I don't think he would mesh well with LeBron and Kyrie. They'd be three kind of shooters. You don't need that. You need guys like Caleb who's going to take the kind of backseat take the three-pointers, get the rebounds, do the dirty work inside if he has to. And it would have been an awful trade. Melo, Melo, doesn't, Melo doesn't care about championships, clearly. He said, you know, the fact that I've won so many gold medals is good enough for me. So I don't want a guy with that type of mentality on my team. Stay on the Knicks, uh, suck on the Knicks. You know, if anything, go to Chicago and get old with D-Wade. Yeah, I agree, man. I just don't think that this is a... Uh... I don't think this is a good trade for either team. Uh, I think that uh, there's some merit to what Barkley was saying about LeBron, about just kind of like maybe stop whining so much. I mean, like this is the team that you won the championship with last year. You basically brought everyone back uh, and added Kyle Korver. So, I mean, I think that it's like a pretty solid group. I mean, I realized that this that the Warriors uh, added KD and – you know, when LeBron was saying that, they they were in like a four out of, four for six stretch. Like they they lost they lost uh, four of their last ten games or something like that. So they've kind of righted the ship a little bit. But you know, they're they're only two and a half games up on the second place Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference, and it looks like they uh, you know, LeBron's playing more minutes than he has in a long time, and they're still not winning as much as he'd like them to. I, I suppose it's. I can kind of see where he's coming from a little bit. I can see where Barkley's coming from. There's no easy solution to how do you beat the Warriors right now because the Warriors are far and away the best team in the league, I think. Yeah, I mean, you can compete with got four guys that are easily on an all-star team every year. I think uh, are all four are Draymond, KD, Steph, and Clay all on the all-star team for the Western Conference? Yes. Yeah. And two are starting. Yeah, so when that happens, it's kind of hard to compete. I understand what LeBron's saying. He wants somebody on the second team that can make plays. Who's that going to be? I mean, it wasn't. It was never Delhi. It's not like he was, you know, this huge playmaker. But I don't know who you can go out and get at this point that would even contribute. They could trade for with everything they've given away, money wise, what they can take on. But 
Right. Melo's not the answer. There's also something to be said about not wanting to deal with the dumpster fire Knicks, and that kind of brings us to our next point in the NBA because this team is kind of imploding right before our eyes. They've been it's it's been a slow burn over the past few years, and it's just finally caught a lot more. So a lot of this starts with Phil Jackson sending pretty, you know, pretty blatant signals that he's done with Carmelo. He wants to get Carmelo out. Uh, He wants to trade him. Yeah, he wants to trade him. Either you know he's tried with they've tried to trade him to the Cavaliers. They've tried to uh, they want to trade him to Los Angeles uh, to the Clippers. Um, I've heard a Celtics talk in there because the Celtics obligatorily have to be mentioned with every superstar trade because of the amount of picks that they have. Yep. Um, so all of that's going on on the court. Uh, the the team is pretty bad. Or excuse me, off the court. The team's pretty bad on the court. They're three and seven in their last ten. They're kind of towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference here. There's no real path to victory. Porzingis has um, kind of regressed a little bit because he's not getting the ball as much as he was um, because you have Derrick Rose and Carmelo Anthony constantly taking these shots. And that all culminated in a pretty ugly altercation this past week, Greg. Yeah. I mean, it's just – it's hard to watch the Knicks, and granted, I never do. But just even their highlights I don't want to watch because it's just a, it's just a team of ball hogs it seems. I don't know if that's accurate, James. Yeah. You could tell me, but Rose no, seems like he, he always wants the ball. Mello seems to take shots that he shouldn't be taking. Porzingis is just like, I just want to grow into a good NBA player. And they're like, no, no, KP, we're not going to even help you grow. Very just solid, very solid uh, impression. Good. Thank good you. Job. I try. I try. I do it for the people. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an ugly situation. It's not. It's not getting any better, so... Um, you know, that is kind of too bad at the end of the day. Um, and so then Oakley, uh, Charles Oakley last night, uh, not, not, not last night, two nights ago, Wednesday night. Yeah. Wednesday night. So Charles Oakley, Nick legend, uh, legendary enforcer and tough guy in the league. Um, and also a guy that's been feuding for a long time with Nick's owner, James Dolan came to the game. Um, and there's two sides of the story right now. So one side of the story claims that he was, um, he was abrasive and loud and obnoxious and, and behaving inappropriately if you're to believe the Knicks side. And if you're to believe Charles Oakley's side, um, you know, he didn't really do anything. Just James Dolan doesn't like him. So he kicked him out. Either way, um, it was an ugly scene where you had, multiple security guards. I mean, we're talking like 10 security guards um, physically dragging a a legendary player out of his home team's stadium and arresting him on, uh, you know, outside. Yeah, it was just loony. That's tough. I've never seen something like that, I don't think. No, I've never, I've never seen something handled that way. Uh, granted, I know from the video he did throw a few punches at security guards that were like putting their hands to his face. Which they were punches, they were kind of shoves, but I yeah. I mean, coming still, from him, they probably no felt like a punch because the man's a a monster. But yeah, yeah you know, you have the two sides. Um, Dolan just hates him. Uh, everybody was saying, you know, Oakley was a few rows behind Dolan. He bought seats there to taunt him and was taunting Dolan, and it was only in the first quarter. And then Oakley basically came out and said, yeah, every time I go into MSG, uh, you know, security comes up to me and is like, yeah, we have to watch you because James Dolan needs us to report every time you're in the building and wants to know whenever you're here so you don't leave. And he's like, he's been told multiple times when he's sitting, don't go anywhere else. You have to stay in your seat. And if you do go anywhere else, we're going to be right there with you, which a little drastic, I would say. But I mean, it's a weird situation on top of everything going on with Mello, Phil Jackson, the team being awful. Just to add that on top of it is just like the cherry on top of the Knicks dumpster fire. Right. Yeah, I agree. So this is tough. You know, it's it's a tough situation and it's a sad situation. I think that the Knicks fans are kind of lashing out currently because uh, because who wouldn't? You know, Dolan is just a, an awful owner, and he clearly doesn't care about winning as much as he cares about just kind of putting up aging stars and hoping that they can sell jerseys and tickets. Yeah, it's nuts. So it's too bad, you know, and uh, I think that it's tough because you don't know who to believe, right? I mean, maybe maybe Oakley really was doing, you know, some inappropriate behavior, and maybe uh, 
or maybe James Dolan really is petty and, and annoying. But either way, it, this is happening on national TV in front of in front of a national audience, you know, because the game was on ESPN, and it, it was, you know, it, it's now headline news all over New York, and that's that's tough, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, James Dolan and uh, the Marlins owner Jeff Loria, probably the two worst owners in sports. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. They're up there. James Dolan just doesn't have a clue of how to run an NBA team. Now that Donald and, Sterling's gone, I think they could both make a case. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just saw a thing that Jeff Loria might be actually selling the Marlins, which I'm hoping because as a baseball guy, I want to see every team actually have owners that care about them and not just like be, hey, I want to spend a hundred million on this ace for one year, and oh, he won like 25 games. Let's trade him. Right. Like, that's not how you run a team. And James Dolan takes the same approach with basketball and just throws money at problems and hopes it works out. And it usually doesn't. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. All right. Cool. Uh, and then we wanted to end today's podcast, Greg. You have a segment that you wanted to break out. Yeah, we're bringing it back. Uh, start bench cut. Coming back. You know, old favorite. Old favorite. Coming back. You know, basically it's that time of year. Like we said, you know, football is ending. Baseball hasn't begun. We have NBA talk, and we hate the NHL, so we got to fill some time in some way, and SBC is always a good one. So, you know, as we said, 2016 championship series were crazy. A lot of major comebacks this year. So I already know what you're probably going to do, James, but just for the people, we're going to do this. Start bench cut the three biggest comebacks in, you know, MLB, NBA, and the NFL this year. So we have the Cavs down 3-1 to the Warriors, coming back to win the NBA championship. We have the Chicago Cubs coming down from 3-1 in the World Series to win the World Series. And then we have the Pats, as we've talked about throughout this whole episode, coming down from 25 points to win the Super Bowl and shock the world. So these are the three choices, James. You have to pick one to start. That's your favorite comeback. The one you bench because you loved it, but just not as much. And the one you cut because it wasn't actually that exciting to you. Which, uh, start? Yeah, you do start, bench, cut. You can go through all three, or you can just do one at a time if you want. Okay, cool. I'm going to go with, so I'm going to start my cut. The Golden State Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, blown 3-1 lead. I think that that was an unbelievable series. And uh, and I think that that was a fantastic, um, you know, the drama was there. It, it's become a rivalry, which is really exciting. Um, to me, though, that wasn't as, that, that I mean, since, since they had just met in the finals last year and the Warriors had already won one, you know, the whole Cleveland thing was great and all, but I just, um, from a sheer drama standpoint, you know, the game game by game, it wasn't necessarily as dramatic. And when when there's this many amazing series, um, I have to I have to dock them for like the sheer drama factor because the game they, in the games, obviously, like there was there was some drama towards the very end of Game Seven with LeBron's block and Kyrie's shot and et cetera, et cetera, but. Um, not as much as the other ones I'm about to kind of uh, blow uh, throw out there. My bench is going to be the World Series, the Cubs World Series, especially that Game 7. Nothing like it. I think that there was a really um, fear. It was one of those ones that kind of transcended sports a little bit because people who don't normally like sports were into this and kind of understanding that this means a lot. And, and kind of, you know, baseball has been around for – so long that people still get it, you know, so um, sometimes it's a little bit easier to understand than football for some people. I, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I mean, it might not be the case, but I think that the the Cubs coming back against the Indians to break a longer curse than Cleveland had um, is pretty unbelievable. And then finally, it's going to be the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is going to be my starter. Um, I think that you saw that coming. Uh, everybody saw that coming. I, I think that it, there's a lot of things. It's the Deflate Gate, you know. It's 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 been an emotional roller coaster for like two years, three years, I guess at this point, two or three years at this point with the Deflate Gate thing. It's been a lifetime, James. It's been a long time, and then seeing having Brady miss four games in the beginning of the season, 
And, and finally having public opinion come back around on this a little bit, I think it's safe to say that most people now can kind of realize that, oh, the, the NFL really kind of built this thing on like a shoddy, shoddy case that's like not real. So I think that that's huge. Um, but they're going to go ahead with it anyway. So between that and the idea that, um, you know, the, the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history, the first overtime Super Bowl history, Brady becoming the best quarterback of all time, uh, you know, Belichick ascending to the best coach of all time, the ascension part of it, along with the comeback part of it, um, and the drama, the sheer drama of the game um, puts that at number one for me. So I'm going to go start the Super Bowl. All right. So I'll do it in the same order you did, you know, cut, bench, start. So, you know, I'm going to cut. I'm going to go right with you. I'm right there with the NBA getting cut. Yeah, you know, Cat uh, Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. They were the more dominant team, better players overall. But the series in itself was not exciting except Game 7. Game 7 was decided by four points. We all remember the Kyrie shot over Steph. But every other game, it was like a 10-point difference. Nothing was really dramatic. It was none of them were really close. I think like the first three games, each team won each game by like 20-something points. That's not exciting. Nobody wants that. So, you know, I agree. NBA, as incredible as it was that the Cavs came down, back from down 3-1, I'm still not that impressed with how it all went down in general. Just a lot of blowouts, and it was unexciting except for that Game 7. If you just gave me Game 7, maybe I changed my mind, but... No. Uh, I'm going to bench the Super Bowl. Now, it's a hard decision, but I am a baseball guy when it comes down to everything. But, you know, I got to give credit where credit's due. Brady, miraculous comeback. Amazing. Nobody thought it could happen. Everything had to go right. But at the same time, there was that piece in the back of my brain that was like, Brady's going to do this. It's going to happen. You can't deny him the one for the thumb. I don't even know what the new thing's going to be because one for the other hand just doesn't sound right. And you knew it was coming. In my mind, at least I did. I could see it from a mile away. I was like, I hate him. He's going to do it because of pure hatred. Uh, so that leaves me starting the Cubs coming back against the Indians, mainly because, like you said, the curse. Game seven of that was worth everything. Going to the extra innings, rain delay, the unbelievableness of a home run to tie the game up. Madden making messed up decisions that almost cost them the series. This team was unbelievable all year long. Going down that 3-1 hole against a team that kind of surprised people. The Indians weren't the team people expected to be there. So everything going on there, it just all culminated into a perfect World Series, at least for me as a fan of the game. It's my favorite sport. So, you know, I'm a little biased like you were with the Patriots, a little biased. But, you know, I got to give it to the MLB World Series. It's the best one they've had in a while. Uh, I enjoyed the Royals Giants a few years ago, but this one just kind of stepped it up even more. Very nice. Into it, into it. All right. Bench cut, long time, long time segment, bringing it back, which I love. Yeah, it's going to come back a little more, I think, uh, in the next few months. Simple as that. All right, Greg. Um, I think that was it. Good episode. It's a good episode. Uh, enjoyed it. If uh, you didn't catch our earlier in the week, uh, right after the game reactions, check that out. It's our quick hits. Uh, you will thoroughly enjoy that, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and uh, I know I did. Uh, but, yeah, good episode. I enjoyed it. I didn't hate as much talking about the Patriots winning the Super Bowl as I thought I was going to, James. Good to know. Good to know. All right, man. Well, it was awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on all the requisite social media that you heard at the top of the show. Give us a shout in those places. And otherwise, we will see you guys next week. See you guys next week. The Sports Dance.